You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hello, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. It is the middle of November 2018. Welcome to The Melting Podcast. I'm your head chef, A.F. Grappen. I'm your grill mistress, Erin Kasmar. No way! Really, yeah. Oh, cool. Hi. I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you. I'm glad there's only one of you this time. Glad you came into work for once. But we really don't need you. It's going to be a really easy day here at work because this mid-month, we are doing a Balticon bonus episode. You're mean to me. So why don't you earn your money and tell us what a Balticon bonus episode is? Wait, I get money? You get money. How much? I'll pay you later. We'll discuss this at your quarterly review. Tell them what a Balticon bonus episode is. You will be evaluated. No pressure, right? No pressure. Okay, so Balticon bonus episodes are episodes that contain content, panels, interviews, and such that we have recorded at trips to Balticon. This would be from Balticon 51. Mm-hmm. Which was and this it year. is a panel, and it was just this year. Yeah. This year in May. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't, please don't de-evaluate me. We'll talk. Enjoy the panel. As well. Oh. And I can get that. Sarah, do you want that... Like closer to the middle, so you can that get would be everybody. great. Thanks. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Teamwork. Woohoo! Okay. Um. First of all, I'm dressed as Oscar the Grouch, PI, from a no longer available uh, series of short stories called The Street, done by a certain certain Shadow Publications author. Who shall remain nameless? Who shall remain nameless? Uh, but is uh, over there with a uh, muppet on his shoulder. Um, the names have been changed to protect the guilty. Yeah. Um, and as such, I have citations. If you would like an intoxication citation or a nerd alert citation, let me know. I will hand them out happily. Because <laughs> I'm a big nerd. And I love my fellow nerds. Alright, but it's hot in here. I'm gonna strip a little bit. It's hot in here? I think she needs a citation. I think so. (laughs) First infraction, clothing removal. (laughs) (laughs) Let me slip out of my can. (laughs) It's a trash can! A trash can! I like your can. I like, I like all of your cans. You gonna get in trouble, mister. It's likely. You're, you're <laughs> lucky she's not here. <laughs> um, okay. So, I'll go ahead and start the shindig. I did have a thought that I was gonna do this via Facebook Live, but um, that takes up too much bandwidth, so. Ain't gonna happen. God, I need this. Okay. Um, all right. Is it six yet? Because I want to yes. start on time. It is six. It is six. Fantastic. Welcome to Cold Reads, presented by Resident Moon Audiobook Solutions. I am Lauren Nicole. Y'all can call me Spence. It's what I prefer. It's just my professional name is, uh, is Lauren Nicole. Anyway, I run a show on YouTube called Cold Reads. And it is a show where I gather new and experienced voice actors together to do a cold read of a short story. 
usually one that has been written by friends of the show or myself. Uh, little background about Resident Moon. Resident Moon does audiobook production, um, so I make the narrator's work sound better, and it's awesome. Um, I would like to go down the line and let this part of the cast introduce themselves. I have two other cast members who are going to pop on uh, after the first story. We're going to go kind of quick because we've got two stories for you since it's an hour long and I'm super Woo! excited. So, Sue, introduce yourself. Sue Bayman, freelance editor, poet, and rare, very occasionally, rarely occasionally, uh, voice actor. Paul Ellis, uh, writer, podcaster, kind of voice actor. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Kind of. The pipes for it. Kind of Good. I'm Jelaine Hughes. Freelance editor, short story writer, and sometimes voice actor. <laughs> I'm Erin Kazmark, co-host of the Melting Podcast, um, often voice actor and narrator, and Jane Mailer. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty, and so uh, what happens with Cold Reads is that I gather together my friends, and about 15 minutes before the show starts, I say, here is a script, here is your part. And they do a cold read. So they've had a little bit more than 15 minutes to look through this. Um, so our first story is called One to Grow On. It is by a wonderful friend of the show and a great author, A.F. Grappen. Um, who is here in that recording device right there. Yes, he's on the recording device. So, so thank you, guys. Um, he is, unfortunately, on another panel. So... Uh, yeah. Or at, at the dealer table, I think, right oh, now. Or at the dealer table. So um, we're going to record it, and it's going to be awesome. Um, so our cast, we have Aaron as our narrator. We have, uh, is it Julianne? Jelaine. Jelaine. Okay, Jelaine, I have you as uh, Becky. Becky. I have Paul as Aston. Aniston. Aniston. I can't see anything. Um, and I've got Sue as Deidre. I don't get to read anything this time, which is Aww. awesome. I guess I just get to enjoy it. It's fantastic. Um, sure. Uh, no, leave it open. If people hear what we're doing and, and they uh, and they like what we're doing, they can They will hear out. our dulcet tones and be intrigued. It's true. So, without further ado, let's take it away with One to Grow On. By A.F. Grappen. <laughs> Becky woke up to an empty bed and the smell of sound of and the smell and sound. I am a professional of frying <laughs> bacon. It only took her about two seconds to decide she didn't like the thought of being served breakfast in bed. Her boyfriend Aniston would be the type to surprise her with that. She was sure. He was a sweet enough guy, but sometimes his nice gestures were a little embarrassing, even in private. So she climbed out from under the covers in a rush. Aniston looked genuinely disappointed when she appeared in the little kitchen of his apartment. It lasted only a second, though, and then his lips turned up in a smile. Happy birthday to you, he sang, the, sound, the song interrupted by a loud pop from the pan of bacon in front of him. He jumped back a little to avoid the splatter. Morning. I was going to bring you breakfast. I don't like to be waited on, she interrupted. At his crestfallen look, she hurried to recover. I'd rather eat with you. Her boyfriend perked up again and finished with the bacon before cracking a couple eggs into the hot grease. Well then, have a seat. Breakfast will be ready in just a minute. Sunny side up? In a few minutes, Becky found herself faced with buttered toast, hot cinnamon rolls, 
bacon and eggs, orange juice she suspected was freshly squeezed, and a melon ball medley. She dove into eating with Aniston across from her. What? She asked when she saw the odd look on his face. I don't know. I guess I expected a different reaction to this. Like, in those rom-com movies, I thought you'd say something like, our girl could get used to this, or something. Truth was, she could get used to it. A little. Maybe. She hated cooking, so having a boyfriend who obviously enjoyed it was great. But it was still too much. Becky had found in the last few months of dating Aniston that she didn't care for being spoiled. She'd prefer going out and doing things together. Movies, mini-golf, stuff like that, over being pampered. Well, being treated to mani-pedis and massages was different. This sort of servant treatment was too much. At least she could admit it was a nice gesture on his part. He clearly enjoyed spoiling her, so who was she to argue? I'm making dinner and a cake tonight, he said to fill the silence. You don't have to do that, she said. Birthday cakes made her uncomfortable. They always had. There was such a stigma around them with her family. This was supposed to be her first year not being forced to have one. She was finally away from home for her birthday, and she was going to enjoy skipping out on the usual birthday traditions, especially the singing. It was always awkward sitting there in front of the lit candles, the center of attention with a handful of people doing the, uh, droning the happy birthday song at her. She never knew what to do with her hands or what expression to have on her face while the song went on. At least Aniston had only sang that one line. Two layers. Aniston was saying. Chocolate on the bottom, white cake on the top. I make my own vanilla bean, cream cheese, buttercream. You're okay with vanilla, right? Or would you rather have chocolate frosting? I can do a fudge buttercream. Heat rose in her cheeks, the same awkward feeling she'd had when she realized he was going to try to serve breakfast in bed. Oh, it doesn't matter. I don't need a cake, really. I'm making you a cake, Beck. You love cake. I've seen you go to town on cupcakes before. I'm making you my special. There was nothing she could do but smile. All this fuss was only for one day, after all. It was her first birthday as his girlfriend. Of course he'd want to make it memorable. That enthusiasm was one of the things she loved about him. Not really feeling her own smile, she said, Whatever you want is fine. What about the cupcake? Chocolate or vanilla? Or is it two layers, too? She wasn't prepared for the baffled look that clouded his face. What cupcake? He asked. The the one to grow on, she said, mirroring his confused expression. Wondering if he hadn't heard her well, she repeated it. The one to grow on, you know. The cupcake with the candle you don't light? Is that like the pinch to grow an inch, a sock to grow a block, and a kiss because I love you? The what? You know, the things you say to kids on their birthday. My mom always said those to me when I was little. Haven't thought about them for a long time, actually. <laughs> he chuckled. A pinch, a punch on the arm, and a kiss. But what was it you were saying? An extra candle, one to grow on. She trailed off, her mind whirling with the disguised abuse of treating birthday kids to a pinch and a punch. A kiss did not make up for that kind of treatment. Then again, it was still nicer than what she'd grown up with. One to grow on or else. Aniston shook his head. I have never heard of that. What's the one to grow on? Really? You've never heard of it? I thought everyone did it. You blow out all your candles and make a wish, but that extra candle is there too. Just so you have to just so you have it ready for next year. Sounds weird. Who eats the cupcake? You? 
No one eats it. You mean you just make it and toss it? What a waste. I can't do it anyway. My special recipe makes the perfect amount for the layer cakes. If I try to make some extra batter for a cupcake, it would throw off all the it would throw all the measurements off. I mean, unless it's important to you. She shrugged. It wasn't really. How could he never heard of the one to grow on? Her whole family did it for every birthday. Every friend in the neighborhood she'd grown up in had had a spare cupcake at birthday parties. Even as a kid, she thought it was silly. Her older cousins had teased her, saying if that extra candle got lit and blown out, the birthday person would die before their next birthday. That's why it was the one to grow on. Having the unlit candle and uneaten cake was insurance that you'd make it to your next birthday. And her grandparents were still healthy, even in their late 90s. Surely it was all just superstition, though. If Aniston had never heard of it, that meant his family didn't do it. And he was just fine. The one to grow on was simple foolishness. No, it's not important, she replied. His eyebrows and shoulders relaxed. Excellent. Well, get ready for the special treatment tonight. And a special dinner, too. The menu's a surprise. Once she'd showered, dressed, and headed out the door... Becky had to admit to herself that she was jealous Aniston didn't have any Monday classes. Crimes against functionality, he called them. (laughs) Becky, on the other hand, had five classes on Mondays. At least she hadn't publicized her birthday, so there would be no undue attention from her classmates or professors. Her mind wouldn't stay on the lectures, though. All through sociology, she pictured Aniston busy in the kitchen, happily measuring and mixing his ingredients, precise down to the last speck of flour as he made his special cake. In theater appreciation, she could almost smell the cake's baking. Vanilla taunted her nostrils until she finally realized it was the body spray of the girl who sat next to her. (laughs) By the end of her introductory composition class, she could see the cake on the kitchen counter waiting to be frosted. The absence of the miniature cake next to it made her head ache. No cupcake. No extra candle. She wouldn't have one to grow on this year. Between classes and the break period she built into her schedule so she could have lunch, she found herself wandering the food court at the student center. The fast food stands, pasta, salad bar, and soda fountains held no draw for her. Her feet brought her to the little case of baked goods, all the pre-packaged, super-processed things she'd expect to see in a gas station. Junk. All of it. And while some of the snack foods were labeled cupcake... She never really thought of them as proper cupcakes. They weren't right. She left without getting lunch. Like a zombie, she trudged to her next class. All through the rest of her lectures, Becky couldn't stop fidgeting. There was no cupcake waiting for her at Aniston's apartment. The only candles she'd have to blow out would be the 20 for her age. No extra candle promising a 21st birthday. Her leg twitched so badly her whole desk shook. The moment she was released from her history class, Becky dashed to the bicycle she used to get around the college grounds. The nearest grocery store was only about two miles from campus. She had plenty of time before dinner. She could make it there and back with no time, or with time to spare. With, yes. Panting from exertion, she pulled up to the grocery store and almost forgot to chain her bike to a light post. Dashing inside, she wound her way to the bakery and breathed a sigh of relief when she saw the display of individual cookies and cupcakes for sale. She'd been a little afraid they'd only sell cupcakes by the dozen. The individuals were oversized, but it wouldn't make a difference. One cupcake, please. I don't care what kind, she told the bakery attendant. 
The woman smiled at her and boxed a giant chocolate cupcake with pink frosting. Becky clutched it to her chest like she were a toddler with a favorite blanket and made her way to the baking aisle. A cheap box of birthday candles in hand, she went to check out. Feeling much more comfortable with the day, Becky rode to campus and her dormitory. Her roommate was gone, but they hardly saw one another anyway. Becky spent most nights at Aniston's, giving Deidre the dorm room to herself. Depositing her textbooks and other school stuff on her bed, Becky opened the bakery box and looked down at her cupcake. Grabbing a candle from the box... Bless you? I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, She stuck it into the pink frosting. Tension leaked out of her. Happy birthday to me, she sang softly, finishing the song in record time. There, the ritual was done. She could go have dinner and cake with Aniston in peace. Hey, birthday girl, what happened to you? Aniston said when he opened his apartment door. Becky walked in and went straight to his bathroom to see what he'd seen. Her hurried biking to the grocery store, the trip back, and the day in general had left her looking less than her best. Loose strands of hair clung to her face with dried sweat. Her clothes were wrinkled and circles had appeared under her eyes that definitely hadn't been there this morning. She neatened herself as well as she could before emerging. Aniston stood there, still looking shocked and confused. Rough day? He asked, wrapping her up in a hug. Yeah, she said, not wanting to go into the details. Once he finally let go, the smells in the apartment got through to her nose. Italian? Oh, please tell me it's your spaghetti. His grin made his eyes crinkle. With giant cheese-filled meatballs and garlic bread. Do I know you or do I know you? And... He led her into the kitchen. Wine. Yes, I know I'm enabling underage drinking. What's some wine a year early, though? It's not like I'm getting you drunk. We're celebrating. (laughs) Dinner was perfect. Aniston's spaghetti was better than Becky's mom's was. She felt a little sacrilegious admitting that to herself, but it was true. Her mom used spaghetti sauce out of a can, stuff that had almost no flavor to it. Aniston was a wizard with herbs and spices, and he made his own super thick marinara that went perfectly with his meatballs. Becky contemplated seconds, but there was still cake to be had. She'd seen the cake carrier on the counter, but the lid of it was translucent, so she hadn't gotten a good look at the cake itself yet. Wait here, Aniston said, clearing their dinner plates. He was gone for a minute or two, then came back with the cake. Twenty purple candles stuck up out of the icing, tiny flames glowing. Close your eyes, he said as he sat it down on the table in front of her. She did, and she heard his footsteps retreat. A present? The candles were going to drip wax on the frosting if he took too long. Then she heard him coming back. Can I open them? Yeah. A cupcake on a paper plate was in front of her. A single candle jutted up from it, the wick untouched, still white and new. I was a jerk earlier. This candle thing really means something to you, so I made you a cupcake anyway. They smiled at one another for a few long moments until Aniston broke the picture they were making. Okay, blow these suckers out before they ruin all my hard work. Becky inhaled a deep breath and blew out all the candles at once. Aniston served her a healthy chunk of cake. It was way too much, which made her doubly glad she hadn't taken seconds of the spaghetti. Once she put the first bite of cake into her mouth, though, she wondered if her massive slab of dessert would be enough. Aniston hadn't been lying when he'd said the cake was special. It tasted like something she could have bought from a professional bakery, only better. 
Why was Aniston going into the medical field when he could make a living off of his cake right now? <laughs> Once their stomachs were comfortably bloated with sugar, Aniston made a show of tossing the cupcake in the trash. Unlit, just like you wanted. Becky was floating in the clouds for the rest of the night. In light of the amazing meal and even more amazing cake she'd just had, she didn't even remember the present Aniston got her. Nor did she remember anything else about the night except that she was glad to be in his arms. He was gone when she woke up Tuesday morning. It was his day for an early class, and Becky didn't have any until afternoon. She showered and let herself out of the apartment, locking the door behind her. She biked back to campus and to her dormitory. Deidre was sitting on her bed watching TV. I was wondering if I was ever going to see you again, Deidre said, getting up and heading for the fridge. Here. When she emerged from their mini-fridge, she was holding a small bakery box. Becky recognized the box. It was the one she'd gotten at the grocery store yesterday. A glance at the cupcake inside told Becky that both cake and frosting had hardened overnight. When Deidre produced a lighter and held a flame over the candle wick, her heart quickened. I know it's belated, but, you know, happy birthday to you, Deidre sang. Her singing voice was pathetic at best. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sue. (laughs) Gus made me do it. (laughs) Too late, Becky thought to stop her roommate from finishing the song. That was part of the tradition her family had always told her. Deidre finished the song, looking pleased, as if she'd bought the cupcake. That was Becky's cupcake, and now the candle was being lit. But the cupcake Aniston had made for her was in the trash like it was supposed to be. Her heart skipped a beat as the candle caught the flame, though. So what happened when she had two candles to grow on? Which one was the real one? The one that had been made for her, she decided. Her mom always made the birthday cake and cupcake herself, never store-bought. So this one was the fake. She could relax again. I don't want it. She said. Remembered aftertaste of Aniston's cake filled her mouth. After that, no regular cake would taste good at all, especially not a stale, refrigerated, store-bought monstrosity. Well, fine, Deidre said, scowling. More for me, then. Why did you even buy it if you didn't want it? With a quick puff of her cheeks, she blew out the candle. Despite herself, Becky flinched as the flame died and was replaced by a trail of smoke that drifted lazily in front of Deidre's face. Still holding the cupcake, Deidre resettled on her bed to watch the trashy morning talk show that was on. Without looking at Becky, Deidre peeled back the cupcake liner and bit into the day-old confection. Busying herself with swapping out the textbooks in her backpack, Becky didn't realize something was wrong until it was too late. When she looked up again, Deidre was still, her face red and locked in a shocked, gasping expression. Her chest wasn't moving. Shaking, Becky inched closer to her roommate. Deidre's mouth was wide open, and Becky could see the mouthful of cake lodged in the back of her throat, blocking her air passages. In her hand, the cupcake sat, the single bite taken out of it. The candle was still sticking out of the top, the wick charred black. So I decided to give everybody a nerd alert for attending. 
Oh yeah. Um, I I did I I marked things in no particular order. I just thought it was hilarious. I kind of feel like a really nerdy Power Ranger. It's pocket protector time. Yes. And apparently you make great cake. Yeah. Great cake. Anybody get a time check? Oh, sweet. We got plenty of time. Um, so one of the things that, that I'm going to leave time for at the end after we finish this um, uh, story is just a conversation about doing cold reads, because that's generally what happens after a story is we talk about the experience of doing a cold read, um, you know, kind of actors, tips and tricks, things of, things of that nature. Um, so we will have time for that afterwards. Uh, this second story um, is one I wrote. Woo! And, oh, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I wrote it um, with permission from uh, uh, our dear Paul Cooley. Hi, Paul Cooley. Uh, <laughs> there was extortion involved, I swear. You were on the show, and I have video proof that you And I was extorted. It's called Zawaka, not extortion. Anyway. Extortion is the best kind of permission. Did she make you cake? No. no. I, didn't, I didn't even get cake. Oh, oh man, I gave you poop. There was that one cupcake. <laughs> yeah, but the cupcake was a lie. Cupcake is a lie. So, this story is not only an homage to my favorite set of short stories that Paul has written, but also an homage to the former site of Balticon, uh, which I miss dearly. <laughs> um, and I do recall a few years back when the street was still a thing. Um, the street, by the way, is what happens when uh, Sesame Street and PBS lose funding. And uh, hot. Yes, I, I see you not uh, shaking your head because I ruined your, or he ruined your childhood. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so all the Muppets, being sentient and alive, of course, um, have to find their way. And things take a turn, and they turn to cookie dough and crime. Crime and brothels, and one Oscar the Grouch turns ah, into ah, a. Uh, uh, private detective. Um, so, this story takes place at the old Balticon site, uh, where I believe the night of the street uh, being released, the street launch party, there were a bunch of people getting there, or there was a wedding party, and a bunch of people in costume crash the wedding. <laughs> there were pictures. And I was very inspired. And so I wrote a story about it. This, The actual story is fiction. So, um, I have... <laughs> oh, I don't know what happened. Um, but anyway, so our cast, uh, Sue Byman is going to be our narrator. Paul is going to play the part of the slippers. <laughs> um, play, play the shoes, Paul. Play the shoes. Scout is going to play the part of Sharon. And hey, you on the end, what is your name? My name is Dave Robinson. I've heard of him. Oh, <laughs> I've heard of him. Oh, it's Scout. Who are you? Uh, I'm Scout. I am an improv witch and I do all the things. 
Improv work. Improv work. Yes, I like it. Yeah. Um, Is that yeah. your business cards? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, and. Yes, and. and. And Dave, really, what you should have said was, I'm Paul Cooley. <laughs> I'm Paul Cooley. The meme is back. Yeah. Um, and Dave, what do you do? Uh, I am the host of the Archivos Podcast Network. I have done numerous uh, audio fiction reads for various podcasts. Uh, but most recently, I am the creator and evil genius behind Archivos, the story development and presentation tool for today's storytellers. Stay Woo! tuned for more. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and I'm going to take a drink of my Tuaka. It's not really Tuaka. Um, and... Uh, Take it away, Sue, with Stranger Elevator. Stranger Elevator by Laura Nicole. Speak up. It was a long reception, and Sharon was ready to get out of her bridesmaid's dress and go to bed. The hotel where they were having the reception was also playing host to a science fiction convention, which had made for some interesting wedding crashers. Several superheroes, a T-Rex, and a steampunk cowboy had joined in the conga line when it spilled out into the hotel ball, hotel's hallway. They were all invited back into the party and took memorable photos with the bride and groom. But now it was past midnight and Sharon's feet were killing her. She pressed the button to go up and waited. The hall was quiet, save for distant laughter from the conference rooms. She guessed there were still some panels going on into the early morning. The elevator chimed and opened. She allowed the scantily clad space princess and her video game counterpart to exit before she entered and leaned against its cold walls. Hold the elevator! A Texan accent called from down the hall. Sharon heard the rustling of fabric, so she knew it would be a spectacle that joined her. <laughs> While pressing the whole doors button, she peeked out through them. A tall man with long salt and pepper hair approached. His all-black outfit might not have been remarkable, save for the rainbow tool wrapped around him like a spiraling tutu, and green fuzzy monster slippers on his feet. He got in and slouched against the other side of the elevator. What floor? Sharon asked. Oh, I'm going to the basement. Go on up to your floor and I'll ride this thing back down afterward. The elevator doors closed and Sharon couldn't help but be mesmerized by the gruff man's sparse but bright outfit. I've seen a lot of costumes today, but I don't recognize yours, she said making conversation. Yeah, well, I released a book this weekend and my fans told me I had to wear this getup. Thought it was funny, so I went along with it. <laughs> Plus... I'm drunk enough. <laughs> sure he is. Another voice said. It was so quiet, Sharon didn't know she'd actually heard it. Sounds like a good party. She smiled. Something about the slippers he was wearing drew her eye again. So, what are you dressed as, if you don't mind my asking? The man asked, pulling her attention back up to his face. Oh, I was a bridesmaid at the wedding in the garden room. I heard about that on Twitter. Y'all got some hilarious pictures. He pulled out his phone and showed her one of the images of the superheroes protecting the bride from the T-Rex. They both <laughs> shared a laugh at that. Oh, I'm Paul, by the way. Sharon. She shook his hand. It occurred to her that the elevator was moving pretty slowly. So what's going on in the basement? She asked, pointedly not looking at Paul's slippers. There's a podcaster pajama party tonight. We usually have some kind of formal gathering for all of us that have that have been on panels. Oh? Sharon asked, her curiosity peaked. Yeah, there's so much going on that we all don't really get too much opportunity to kick back and just relax. So this party is our chance to have a good time. Paul explained. Plus, there's Tawaka. 
<laughs> the other voice said, where was it coming from? Did you say something? Sharon asked. Paul shook his head. Nope. <laughs> Sharon rubbed her eyes. Must just be exhaustion then. I thought I heard something about Tuaka. He smiled and his eyes fluttered a bit at the sound of the word. <laughs> ah, Tuaka. A bit rough at first, but tasty. Especially if chilled properly. It seemed as if he were savoring the memory of its taste. He came out of his reverie then. If you want, you can come to the party and I'll get you some to try. Come on, the other voice said. <laughs> just one for one drink. It could be entertaining. <laughs> Did the voice just chuckle? Before she realized what she was saying, Sharon heard the words fly from her mouth. Well, I do have some awesome bridal party pajamas that would be a shame to waste. Of course you <laughs> they arrived at her floor and Paul and his slippers waited at the elevator for her that immediately made her a bit more comfortable with her choice probably just someone who likes to make sure everyone is having a good time when she arrived back at the elevator she was dressed in her, in her dark blue onesie covered in gold stars with a flask of bourbon that was left over from the bachelorette party tucked into her pocket told you she'd come back the voice was there again and apparently not providing commentary just to Sharon shh Paul said before looking up at her. Sharon quirked an eyebrow at him. Are you a ventriloquist? Or is there a microphone in your slippers? She smiled as they got into the elevator. Either way, it's a neat trick. The elevator doors closed behind them. Nah, honey. The slipper said. I'm just very interesting. <laughs> Where did my fans get you from? Paul asked as Sharon hit the button for the ground floor. Then she remembered that they were going to the basement and pressed the B button three times for good measure. Your buddy Pondy. <laughs> <laughs> the slippers laughed. And man, are we going to have a stinking good time. <laughs> they continued to chuckle. Paul looked up at Sharon with what seemed to be concern in his eyes. I don't like this. The elevator shuddered. I don't like this at all. <laughs> the elevator doors opened and refuse of all kinds poured into the elevator. Sharon shrieked and jumped back standing next to Paul. The slippers were still laughing and under the garbage that was piling up around them, they could hear the slippers start humming a little ditty to the tune of a show tune. Let me do this one. Trash, glorious trash, filled high as a mountain. There seemed to be no end to the avalanche of dirty towels, empty canisters, rotten food, peels, and other unmentionables. As suddenly as it began, the elevator doors started to close and the stream of refuse ceased. There was a ding and a shudder. But rather than moving up or down, the walls of the already small elevator started closing in on them. Get on top of it! Paul said, pushing Sharon up by her hips. I'm trying! She yelled back. Once she took hold, a long metal... Once she took hold, a long metal rod that apparently went to the floor, she grabbed Paul's arm and brought him up another six inches. Their heads were brushing the top of the elevator. Sharon looked up and saw that the top hatch did not have a lock or screws securing it, just a latch. Throwing the latch open, she pushed upward, but a great weight was holding the hatch door in place. Don't just stand there! She called to Paul. Help me! Paul flinched, a pained expression on his face. Something's biting my ankles. <laughs> the pained look turned to panic as he sunk into the trash. The walls of the elevator pressed in and down, forcing their heads into the muck and refuse. 
I'm sorry. Was the last thing Paul was able to mutter before they were both pulled under. Sharon closed her eyes and took a deep breath to push the fear away. She lunged through the condensing trash, looking for where she thought the elevator door and buttons would be. Her hands reached out through slime, jagged edges, a head of hair. She hoped that was Paul's head. Her hand brushed a metal wall, and she felt another arm searching as hers was. She guided Paul's hand to the wall, and they both pushed any and all buttons frantically. Ding! The elevator doors opened into a hallway in front of a retro-looking diner. Dance music thrummed through the floor. She and Paul tumbled out onto the garishly colored carpet and looked around. Sharon expected to be surrounded by a sea of trash, but found the carpet they'd landed on impeccably clean. Her hair was disheveled, and her onesie was filthy. It couldn't have been a dream. Then she looked at Paul. His slippers were gone, but his salt and pepper hair had been replaced with sickly, slime-covered mats of green fur. (laughs) He looked at her with cold, Muppet-like eyes and said, So, Tawaka? It was just me and Paul, and uh, on on the uh, YouTube uh, video. No, I was there. I, I read. Oh, you were there. I read the slippers. Oh, right. <laughs> yes, and uh, and it, it doesn't have the same effect as with a live audience, so I'll probably have to do this more often. Um, I just now got the Star Wars reference. <laughs> Even I got it. I got it now, but the first time I didn't yes. get it. Yes. I was trying to think of some way to do this and chatting with some of my online friends and and they're like you can do you can do like a a Star Wars scene and I happened to be watching A New Hope at the time. (laughs) Shocker. Anyway, so um, from my cast, what uh, what challenges or, or what things did you notice as you and your fellow cast members were were going through the reading that you might want to take note of the next time you have to do a reading? Well, I think anytime you do a reading with other people, Mm -hmm. there is rhythm, there's cadence, there's inflection, and there's tone that everybody's infusing into the story, into the read. And it's it's your job then to pick up on that and build on it right. in some way, shape, or form. Um, one of the things that uh, a, a voice actor that can't be here with us because she's at another convention for audiobook producers. Sorry, I don't know what came over. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that she she says consistently is to uh, be slow with your first read, Um, you know, because especially if you're doing it in a public setting, it's, uh, you kind of want to, you're nervous, and so you want to rush through it. Um, So that's that's a thing that I always have trouble with because I get so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited to read everything that I forget periods (laughs) exist. (laughs) Um, so that that's that's the thing. I think you all did wonderfully. 
Um, every single one of you, especially like reading into where the stuff is going to be singing. I'm sorry I took away your song, but I love it. <laughs> Quite all right. I love all of her. So, so yeah. Uh, any other observations or anything that you wish you knew? I wish I had a better handle on the character of Aniston from from mm-hmm. AF's story. He cooks. He does cook and bake. He does that <laughs> tremendously well. But but in the relationship, because apparently Becky and, and him have been dating for some time, mm-hmm. and he is just oblivious, right. completely oblivious. And so I, I, as I was reading through her, I was like, this guy has no clue of what's going on in her life until you get to the very end when he's when he did make the cupcake for her. And this it's, is different from real life. How? <laughs> <laughs> They're not fired at me. I'm not going home with her. So, have you met Met? <laughs> um, so, and, and that that is a good takeaway: is doing some research before you do a read. Um, if you have the opportunity to talk to the author and be like, "Hey, I'm not really sure what this character's deal is." Um, I've had that in my own experience where I had to play, play a Homeland Security operative and I wasn't really sure what his deal was. And so I played him all wrong. <laughs> I thought he was being a flirt. No, he was de- supposed to be deadpanning it the whole time. So, um, yeah. Uh, I went to, what, what time are we at? 6.40. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, are there any questions from the audience? Scott. Not so much a question, but an observation. Um, I, I really liked. You're the worst person in the audience. <laughs> I really liked um, what Scout and, and Dave were doing as they were reading. They were acting it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that for some people can be a, a really good help. When I am doing a voice acting part yes. um, for for podcast or whatever, I do tend to gesticulate like I think the character would and, and, and those yeah. physical beats help. Uh, well, and that yeah, I is, do the same thing. Especially in narration, doing the physical thing that the character is doing, short of like sword fights or anything. <laughs> but even just smiling, facial expression comes through in the vocal performance. Yeah. Moving around sounds different than just standing still. Yeah, all the recording I do for, for the voice and everything, um, I always do standing mm-hmm. and gestures and stuff. And there was one character I was having a hard time getting, and at the time the character was pregnant, I was too. Ah. So I was trying to get the right emotion to come through my voice for a line, so what I did was put my hand on my belly. <laughs> and just simple motions like that, little things. But yeah, that was a really good And point. then seeing Paul's facially. <laughs> as he was doing the slippers. Yeah. Well, it, 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 instances like that, um, Mark Hamill, uh, when he was doing uh, The Voice Joker. of the Joker, is just absolutely phenomenal for doing that very type of thing, acting it out. Because they would talk about sitting down and doing the, the read, and the first thing he'd do, he'd get up and walk around the table and, and do all the, oh, Batman, Joker here, you know, the whole nine yards. And maybe not that over the top, but doing the, the and I talk with my hands anyway, so doing that inflection helps a great deal. And one thing I will say, stop hitting the freaking turn. <laughs> 
Um, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is posture in addition to just facial expressions. So I was reading this and I was very glad that it didn't say, what for a Texan accent? Because I was like, oh God, do I have accents? Thankfully not that. Because <laughs> um, halfway through my sentence, I would have to start a twang. But with postures, if I have left to my own devices, I will be very much myself, kind of tweaked. And luckily Sharon wasn't that far. Uh, but last year I read for somebody who was a lesbian werewolf construction worker. I remember that. And I was like, okay, okay, all right, cargo shorts. It's a lot, lot of layers to pull in Exactly, because otherwise I was like, oh, yeah, I'm queer, I can say that. But otherwise, like, last, I'm like, oh, no, she doesn't giggle. She definitely has, like, a throaty like, laugh. Throaty and this. belly laugh. And if I don't, like, square my shoulders, I'm going to be like, oh, I have a really tough, I am butch. So that's something that even if I'm not a motion thing, if it's someone that's fear, just where I'm holding my shoulders and my hips really does the character difference. And then if I'm doing a cold read, my body already knows what the voice needs to do. More so than having to be like, oh, okay, I'm doing this. I'm flirting. This is the flirting voice. Because that's not a flirting voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and one thing I will say, especially if you are standing up, you're moving around, um, be very aware of where the microphone is and what you are wearing. As a producer, I can't tell you how many times I have to tell somebody to re-record something because it was a great take, but I heard sliding against cloth or hitting the microphone or something. Yeah, no and corduroy in the studio. <laughs> no corduroy. No corduroy no in the studio. If you wear jewelry, don't wear it in the studio. Like, I've got dangly earrings. Oh, the microphone will pick that up. Um, so, so yeah. Those are, those are just little things that will improve your performance along with, or, or keep your performance consistent so you don't have to do a retake because mm. of something outside of your voice. Um, so. or, or sometimes it's just the atmosphere inside the studio. I mean, I've had, I've had my daughters in the studio when I've been recording before. They've been very still, and they've been very quiet, except one time the youngest reached up, and she accidentally pressed on the weighted end of the boom, and it sent the microphone right into my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> so you, do, you, do, you need to be aware of, of that sort of thing. <laughs> Um, so before we wrap up, I want to give all of my panelists uh, an opportunity to pip their stuff, tell us uh, where we can find you online, and if you're doing anything else special this weekend, um, when and where that is. Um, we'll start with the people who are already at the table, and then we'll get our other two panelists up here. Um, Sue, you want to start? You can find me at myeditorissue.com. Um, Speak up. Which also could be myeditorissue.com. <laughs> uh, and I have two books of poetry uh, up on Amazon. You can just search under my name. And are you doing any other panels this weekend? Or uh, anything I've got special? Two, three more panels. Fantastic. Anything um, that you want to highlight? Sunday at noon, I'm on a panel on representation and why it matters. That's very near and dear to my heart, and I think it's very important. Uh, Balticon is a very white con, and I'd like to see that change quite a bit. Um, and then my writing partner, Mr. Paul Cooley, has a book launch Sunday at 3. Awesome. Well, we just heard about what can happen if there's a launch with Cooley. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little well, well, right. yeah. You can be immortalized in <laughs> short <laughs> fiction for next year. Yeah. 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 destruction. Some cake I don't think those slippers coming yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We have uh, Alien Acid Punch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Paul. 
Uh, I can be found on the web at www.wirelessadventures.com. Um, that has been shuttered for a while. I'm in the process of getting that back up and online. Um, I've got a reading tomorrow at noon, um, and I'm going to be reading part of a story that got rebooted on the Archivos podcast. Sweet. So the Archivos Roundtable. Um, I've got pieces of that already ready and put together, so we'll be reading from that. And then Sunday at 8, I'm going to be doing uh, Detectives in Urban Fantasy, which is not a new thing. It's been going on hundred years. So it's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. All right. I'm Scout. Uh, like I said, I do all the things. That includes art, singing, voice acting, um, sensitivity reading, really all the things. Uh, you can find me on lots of places as Scoutadactyl. That's S-C-O-U-T-A-D-A-C-T-Y-L. I'm aware that's not how you spell pterodactyl, but scout-o-dactyl sounds like a machine. Um, (laughs) Instagram.com slash scoutodactyl is the best way. Um, And instead of uh, talking about something I'm doing, I'm going to give a shout-out to my cosplay partner, uh, Ra Redidog. Right now, I am dressed as Septim Pierce Undercut, and he is Scarf Beard Man Bun. (laughs) (laughs) He has a sign, explains it. Uh, But so I'm spending most of the con cosplaying with him, and I want to shout out him for he's in the art show if you see this amazing uh head flower crown thing he made it he made a bunch of stuff so definitely go out check the art shows i think he's b6 but just walk until you see the really cool shawl made of skulls yeah go go spend his money on things because otherwise i will and i run out of room in my closet <laughs> shawl made out of skulls I in, go, I in go the pan colors that. yes. that's badass oh yes definitely <laughs> amongst other things Mr. Robeson. Yes. Um, best place to start finding me is at archivos.digital. A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. Uh, as far as the con goes, uh, I'm going to be back in this room at 9 o'clock with the Mythwits. Rogers, awesomeness. Uh, and they're awesome. Uh, continuing a short story started last year, as I recall. Yes. Yes, uh, right. I, I died as a Frenchman in that show, as I recall. I was the only one left to die. That's right. And I died You're going to get yours this time around. Yes. Um, tools for Collaboration tomorrow at 11 a.m., which is appropriate because at 3 o'clock, uh, I'll be hosting the first of three panels uh, showcasing Archivos. Tomorrow at 3 is an introduction to Archivos. Tomorrow at 7 is Archivos for Gamers. And then on Sunday at also 3 o'clock, I believe, no, 11 o'clock, uh, Archivos for Educators. Uh, I'm also going to be doing panels on uh, improving your readings. And apparently I'm going to be brainstorming something with Gail Z. Martin and Bud Sparhawk on what makes an idea worth exploring, which sounds freaking fascinating. And then uh, the Vex Mosaic live recording at 5 o'clock on Sunday. Holy crap. So you're busy. I'm busy. <laughs> find me uh, meltingpodcast.com um, we also have a Facebook Facebook group yes I do voice acting um, uh, that's the best place to find me um, I'm doing a few more things this week um, I'm going to be on Voice of Free Planet X live tomorrow night 
Um, and then Melting Podcast Live will be here just after that. Um, I'm moderating Improving Your Readings on Sunday. I'm going to be doing Late Night, Nobilis Reads, This Kaiju Life Live. We voice acting for that, too. And then I'm with Dave on Why the Storyteller Needs a Narrator. So I will be here, and I'm also down in the dealer room selling this awesomeness. So come check us out. We have everything. Yeah. All right, you. I see how it is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do you like don't tell me. You can find. <laughs> you are perfectly safe. I'll get you cake. Dave, we're going to ask you. Good. Love you, Dave. I love you back. <laughs> you can find me at jelaine.net. That is spelled J-U-L-A-Y-N-E.net. Whether you want any editing services or want to see how to get any of my short stories, or how um, to get thrown out of a chair. That. <laughs> There, there's a technique to it. It's all in the wrist. Usually, it's not in Dave's wrist anymore. <laughs> oh, some of the cool panels that are coming up for me are tomorrow at noon. Profiting from your passion. Learn how to make money from what you love to do. And uh, we have, I have a couple panels coming up on gaming. And we're, I'm also moderating a... <laughs> Authors reading bad reviews that they have received. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be fun. And uh, finally wrapping up Sunday at 7 p.m., how to self-edit that lousy first draft. <laughs> I think Sue's on that one, too, aren't you? You on that one? Oh, okay. Well, I guess not. Never mind. Um, awesome. And I'm Laura Nicole, or Spence, and you can find me online at resonantmoon.com. You can find out about all of the uh, um, audiobook services that I have. I have promotional material. I just didn't feel like putting it out because this was all about the stories. Um, on YouTube, you can find us, uh, Cold Reads. Just look for Laura Nicole Cold Reads. On Facebook, um, there is a Cold Reads group. Um, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cold reads podcast. I am going to be joining the TSR network with Game School. Yes. Um, we start recording next month. Yes. Like, like a week or two. Like in two weeks. <laughs> I'm nervous, but happy. No, it's going to be good. It's going to be amazing. And then this is my first panel of the weekend. Um, tonight at nine, I'm going to be. Doing something with the myth, 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 wits, myth, what? Mike, Mike, Whites. Mike, Whites. Mike, That's not very inclusive. I died last year, so I have no clue how I'm coming back. But you know, I was mistaken. Thank you, thank you. Let's see here. Then after that. Still in this room. I'm basically going to live in this yeah, room. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, at 10, we're doing Dirty Mad Libs. Oh, yeah. um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, 12 on Saturday, so that's noon on Saturday, because I don't get up before 10 a.m. Um, uh, I will be here for Profiting from Your Passion. Uh, I'm the moderator. I'll be here for that one. Yeah, I know. Both of you all. Yeah. Um, and let's see here. Gaming isn't social, is it? I'm doing that one. I'm moderating using tarot for generating ideas. Um, and that's going to be fun. Uh, Sunday, 1 p.m. 
dealing with day-to-day -day isms and gaming culture. Uh, Monday, I have Monday panels. I don't know why I <laughs> decided to hurt myself. But um, also in here, we'll be doing writing for audio and why the storyteller needs a narrator. Uh, so that is everything. Uh, of my remaining cast, can I have somebody take a picture with the remaining cast that are here um, so that I can put it up on the on the book of faces? The book of faces? I mean, all of that. Oh, who are you on Twitter? Because Oh, I, it's you. okay. Oh, what the hell? I, on Twitter, I am, um, uh, I am, for listening to the melting podcast you can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com you can also find us on twitter at melting podcast or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com the melting podcast is released under a creative commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it don't sell it and always link back to the website sound effects are by the free sound project and our theme is by drew rich creek